podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have LaTanya Wilkins, who is the founder of The Change Coaches. She previously worked in HR, talent management, and learning and development at General Electric, Abbott Laboratories, and AbbVie. She is the current president of the True Star Youth Foundation Board, and she is the director of leadership and culture at the University of Illinois College of Business. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to kick us off with a post you made recently on LinkedIn, and you said in the post, lead with empathy and curiosity first. It's important to listen empathize, and refrain from judgment and or assumptions. The two words that you used, empathy and curiosity, are two words that our guests bring up frequently on this show as crucial to leadership. So for you, why are empathy and curiosity so important? Yeah, Matthew. So there's actually a talk that I do that is all about um, how empathetic and psychologically safe relationships are the future in leadership. And I, I believe that it's, a, it's also something I talk a lot about in my upcoming book, Leading Below the Surface. And the reason why I say it is because, as you know, um, the last 18 months or so has just been very challenging for us around the world. And um, one of the things I, I do a lot of is I coach executives to create cultures of belonging, especially executive teams. And one of the things I found is um, they were trying to come up with all these strategies, all these things that they should do. But it was really about taking a step back and leading with empathy, curiosity, and psychological safety. And what I mean by that is like, I think a lot of these companies were very much really ready to make a statement about diversity and changing their culture. But what I was, when I observed them, they, they, they didn't do, they didn't listen to each other well. That's one thing I saw. They weren't listening to other people well, and they weren't, um, they weren't practicing empathetic listening. And I talk about different types of empathetic listening that you can engage in. And, and I believe that, that those are like empathy, psychological safety, and um, what I call real leadership are three prongs to, to really uh, being a inclusive leader and also um, just be preparing to be a leader of the future. Maybe the talk that you're most known for or how I came across your work was entitled Leading People Who Are Different. And you hit on it a little bit in that first answer. And our world is filled with people from all walks of life. And as leaders, we definitely need to be prepared to lead and coach everyone, no matter their background. What are some of the tangible things that leaders and maybe leaders early in their career can do to be an extraordinary leader of others who are different than they are? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you asked me that question because um, I have a, like I said, my book is all about this. It's uh, Leading Below Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different From You. Amy Edmondson from Harvard Business School wrote, my, wrote an amazing forward for me. And um, that's what this is all about. Um, so I, I have three prongs of, you know, how to build relationships with people, real relationships with people who are different from you. The first one, like I said, is, is real leadership. So it's it's being in real as an acronym, reliable, equitable, aware, and loyal. Um, all of those are just exactly how they sound. I'll talk a little bit about loyalty. Loyalty means that that you trust the process and that you forgive people for mistakes, right? Um, so for example, if you promote someone or if you if, if someone um, lets you down, you 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 at least believe in them 
enough to give them a second chance. So that's real leadership is the first prong. The second is empathetic listening. Oh my gosh, again, I'm going back to this because it's such a big part of what I believe what I talk about and what I embody. And I teach other people how to embody this, but it's, um, it's not just empathetically listening person to person. I also talk about person to belonging listening and it's, it's observing people and to the extent to which they fit into an environment. So that's the second. And, and the third, again, is, is building psychologically safe relationships, relationships where uh, people feel understood, they feel heard. Uh, they feel like you are in it for the long haul. They feel like they can trust you. And, and it's really hard um, to be a effective leader if you can't uh, do these three things. Again, be a real leader, uh, be empathetic listener and psychological safety, practice that. And if you could get those three, I think early in your career, you're gonna go a long way. I reached out on Instagram to our listeners that you were gonna join the show. And one of the questions that I got focused on your career arc and maybe what you would give as pieces of advice to yourself. What do you wish you would have known when you started out on this work? Yeah, you know, I wish I would have known that when people told me that I should follow my heart and my soul, <laughs> that that was actually good advice. I, I didn't know that. Um, you know, I kind of, when you look at my career, it looks very traditional. And as you said, Matthew, I haven't been introduced like that in a while. And you talked about some of these larger companies I worked for. And, and that's kind of what I thought my career had to be is kind of going, working for these larger companies, um, just getting a base from them and then and then kind of going on my own. And when I go back and I think about it, I wish I would have known that there are, were other ways <laughs> to this path that that to get where I am at that um, that I didn't take. And so that's the that's what I wish I would have known. And that's the advice I give people is. Uh, there's a, I mean, I coach a lot of executives and, and they think, oh my gosh, I have to work for Google for five years before I can do anything else, but there are other paths. And so um, just knowing that and knowing where those paths are is really important. And I wish I would have known that for myself. You do a lot of coaching and you mentioned that in your last answer, when you're first meeting somebody who you're going to coach, what are one to two of the questions that you ask to get to know them better so you can be a more effective coach? Yeah, yeah. So one of the first things I ask them is, um, well, I ask them a few things. First, what are you looking for in a coach? Um, you know, what do you not want me to do as a coach? I ask for, uh, the, the second thing that gives me a ton of insight is I ask them what their values are. And when I ask that question, I either get one of two answers. One is like, I, they rattle off their values right away. And number two is that they don't know what they are. And, but I can kind of probe into it. And so just asking that question and being an adept listener, I can kind of start gathering what they do value. Um, number three, I, I, I ask them what success looks like uh, with working with them. And again, with a coach, and, you know, with coaching, it's not about my agenda, it's their agenda. And, and a lot of times companies hire me to coach these executives. And so I like to know what their um, piece of success looks like, what their pr perspective looks like, because that's changed a lot, especially over the last year, people are looking for more meaning in their work. And I'm, you know, I'm able to kind of discern, um, you know, number one, how I should be as a coach. And number two, the areas where, where I could dig deeper into this executive again, to, to gain psychological safety and trust. 
You speak frequently about how organizations and leaders should address equity and inclusion, and we've touched on it a little bit, but one of the things you talk about that I find pretty fascinating is going beyond episodic DEI to cultural DEI. Can you explain a bit more of what you mean by that for me, but also for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you probably don't know about me, (laughs) and it's hard to know, is that I hate DEI. I've always hated DEI because I felt like um, in the the companies I've worked in, it really was, it wasn't real. It was just, you know, we would, you know, I worked in talent and, and succession planning and we'd go through everything. And then we check some boxes, make sure we have enough women in the pipeline, people of color. And, and so, um, you know, that, that wasn't really working. And so, um, one of the things like what, for my grandma, I mean, my grandma was with us for 93 years and she was just always, um, below the surface with people. She was always just a real person, um, especially with people that were different from her. She just, she knew how to, to navigate those relationships. And I was able to, to learn that from her and also from my father. And what, what I think we're, we're missing is the culture piece. Like culture has become a buzzword where people are talking about fun cultures, great cultures, all these things. But again, that's all a social construct. Like everybody has like to have fun differently. Um, everybody thinks differently of great so when I think about cultures and changing cultures, um, one of the main ways I do that is through these culture academies that I have with uh, executive teams. And we do a combination of, of instruction, stru- instructional workshops and, we also, and, and team coaching and individual coaching. And from that, that's how we change the culture. And changing the culture in order to, to really change your culture and make it more inclusive, inclusive and equitable. I always talk about cultures of belonging you first have to um, be able to access what your culture really is. And I think that's where a lot of organizations trip and fail is they, they, they start doing all these culture initiatives when they haven't even accessed what their culture is. And the way you access that is you become an observer and you just listen to what's going on um, in the organization, you know, how things are really getting done, where employees are really at, instead of just pushing things out, um, you're, you're, there's a pull and you're, you're more listening for information. And so again, that's where um, a lot goes wrong. The second thing is also muck, like getting in the muck of human beings and, and being okay with, um, you know, getting into deep places that are uncomfortable for you when you learn about your culture, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, like what, you know, how are people really feeling about that, especially people who may have historically uh, been marginalized in organizations. So yeah, so th- those are the big things. It's that, you know, having access to your culture, understanding it, understanding what's actually going on, and just being an observer. I think from my perspective, we as a society have made great strides, but we also have a ton of work left to do. So when you look at it and the work that you do, what makes you the most optimistic about the strides that we have made? And where do you believe the most work is yet still to be done and we should focus our energy there. Yeah, so I'll first start with the strides before I go to the future, because I have a lot to say about this, obviously. Uh, So the strides that we've made, the the biggest thing I've seen is awareness. So uh, before last year, um, I don't think people understood the extent of systemic racism that, the, the extent that systemic racism dominated um, U.S. structures and systems and world structures and systems. I have clients all over the world that um, you know face this as well. So I, I think just the awareness. Um, I think the other big stride is that 
um, and I posted about this recently on LinkedIn, there's not a big ask for business cases anymore for diversity and inclusion. It's like diversity is a part of business, uh, belonging is a part of business. And so when I'm going into executive teams, I'm seeing that there's not, I'm not trying to sell them anything. We're just talk, we're talking more philosophically to see if there's any synergy there. So th those are a couple of things that I, I, I like to see. I also like to see one more thing is like um, people are more authentic and they're being unapologetic about what's going on in their lives and what's going on in their organizations. As for the future, I, I, this is why I wrote this book. Um, it, it's because I, it's, I think it really comes down to, again, building real relationships with people who are different from us. And there's, and in, in the book I talk about, there's so many biases that get in the way and just, just basic human existence, like, you know, leadership standards that have been old world leadership standards that are still upheld a lot um, in, in boardrooms and in, in C-suites. And so it's really just getting those, like I said, the, the, the three prongs I talked about, um, kind of thinking um, outside of the box and thinking about how we lead instead of what we're leading towards. And when I say what, it's like the results, all those types of things. But again, thinking about how we lead and how that affects people, um, that's where we need to get. And I'm not sure if we're going there yet. I think we're starting to. But I still see so many organizations focused on, you know, things that are stereotypically DEI, like, you know, hiring, which is great. We, we need hiring, right? Um, you know, we need training, which is great. We need training. But again, it comes back to the belonging piece of that. And once someone's in the organization, do they feel like they belong and scaling this on a large level? So it's, it's really comes from leadership um, and not from HR. And, and that's really the way to do it. One of the other questions that we got from our listeners was about productivity and how you structure your day. Is there anything you do to allow you to keep all of these different parts of your business going? Anything that you do in the morning or in the evening before as you prepare for the next day that helps you structure and, and stay on task? That is a really good question, uh, whoever asked that. So I will tell you that um, this continues to evolve, but I, I'm happy to share what I do right now. Um, I would say about a little over 18 months ago, I started getting up really early. Um, I realized that my best work got done um, in the morning before the sun came up. So um, I get my regimen is that I get up either between five and 530, um, usually at the gym by six. Um, you know, I, I work out from six to seven. And then um, at seven ish, I have my coffee, and then I'm planning out my day. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of breaks during the day. Sometimes I even I have a mindfulness community that I'll meet with in the morning. Um, make sure to get that in a few days a week. But um, and I go to bed every night, um, sometime between nine and nine 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 thirty or so. So that's my my regimen. I, I think the big thing that I do that's changed me is that's transformed me. I would say is getting up early and also the, the day before, um, when I'm going to bed, I, I, I look at my schedule for the next day and I get mentally prepared for it. Well, that is a wonderful spot to shift to the final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, if you could describe your leadership style, but I just gave you one word, what would that word be? I would say I'm real. I mean, whenever people talk to me, they, they describe me as real, pure, authentic, 
Uh, authentic is more of a, a highly used word, so I'll go with real. And the last rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say that the best piece of advice that I've ever received is like, um, give and don't expect um, anything back in return. And that was hard to do. It's, it was trust people, um, things will come back to you at some point. And that is the truest advice I've ever gotten. Well, giving without expecting anything in return is a wonderful spot to close us out today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, so there's a few different ways. Uh, you could follow me on Instagram at Latanya Wilkins, L-A-T-O-N-Y-A, or sorry, at Latanya Coaching, L-A-T-O-N-Y-A Coaching. And then LinkedIn, I'm on Latanya, I'm Latanya Wilkins. And then my website is latanyawilkins.com. I'm sure you're going to put the links in the, in the, in the episode chat as well, Matt, but yeah, I have lots of tools and resources you can find on my page. You can also pre-order my book. Well, thank you for all of the great insight. And thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Taking an extra minute to rate and review our show really helps out. And of course, we truly appreciate it when you share our show with somebody from your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our show on Instagram by searching for Learn to Lead Podcast. Our podcast is produced by Ability, which you can find by searching for Ability Leadership Development. And make sure you also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini-MBA, which is now entering its third year. This mini-MBA is a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. We now have a robust alumni network and you can find more information at invitedmba.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.